she was number 43,212, 43,212. Some years ago, Susan Boyle walked onto the stage of the TV show Britain's Got Talent, and because of her outward appearance, the crowd began to jeer and to laugh at Susan. Here was this 47-year-old woman from a small Scottish village, Simon Cowell, Amanda Holden, and Pierce Morgan rolled their eyes as they asked, what is your dream? And Susan replied, I want to be a professional singer. The crowd laughed in absolute derision. What are you going to sing? Simon asked. I dreamed a dream from Les Mis. The audience snickered audibly. The music began. Susan lifted that microphone and she sang, I dreamed a dream of times gone by when hope was high and life worth living. I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. The place erupted. People were on their feet. Piers Morgan described her performance as absolutely stunning. Amanda apologized for the cynicism of the crowd and for her own failure to dream the dream. And when Simon joined the other judges in giving a yes to Susan's advancement in the competition, he said to this beautiful Scottish volunteer church worker, you can go back to your village with your head held High. Susan, Susan dreamed a dream and it came to be. It started with Susan singing in her home, in her church, in her neighborhood. Then she sang for a nation and now she sings for a world. But dreams start steps. There are always first steps. The disciples of Jesus experienced that. They had great dreams of the Messiah who would come to deliver the Jews from the demeaning bondage to Rome. They had hoped that this anointed one would come soon and that they would see this one come and free them. They were yearning and they waited and waited for the time that they could say, we are free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Then Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary and Joseph, a simple carpenter, walks onto the stage of human history. Not at all what they expect, but in Mark's first chapter, the disciples have not seen enough of him to know what is in store. They are told that Jesus was, has just finished a trial in the desert where he resists temptations thrown at him by Satan. Now Jesus is calling the people to repentance like Jonah called the people of Nineveh to repent, as Annabelle read, to repent, to turn, to listen. And like the people of Nineveh, the crowd around Jesus begins to turn. And they begin to listen to him. His message is fresh. It is new. 
Jesus speaks of good news in the midst of a day where bad news is rampant. Here is hope. Here is the spokesperson for their dreams. The time is at hand. What is Jesus going to require of them? At first, whatever he asks of the disciples, they are willing to do. He says, repent, turn back, turn 180 degrees around, follow me, and they do it. They drop everything and they follow Jesus. He calls Simon and Andrew, James and John, and with, without any hesitation, without taking it to a committee or asking the session to approve it, or without waiting to be elected, trained, and ordained as officers in the church, they follow Jesus. In Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, Jesus says, Come with me, I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And they believe him. They dream, they hope. It is not what they expected, but they trust and they obey. You know what fascinates me about the disciples in Mark's gospel is not only the boldness with which they begin their walk with Jesus, but the fear with which they end their time with him. What is it that can lead to such a change of conviction? Why does Mark spend so much energy tracing the downfall of the disciples? Our passage, chapter 1, has been described by one person as the high point of their time with Jesus, which begins to go downhill about chapter 4 and continues on a downhill trajectory towards chapter 16. Our passage is uh, filled with disciples who have such a hard time understanding Jesus and grasping the dream, the hope, the message. If they have that much trouble, we are doomed. We don't have the advantage that they had to walk and live and serve with Jesus. What, what can we do? The late Dr. Lamar Williamson, my wife Laura's Bible professor at the Presbyterian School of Christian Education, PSCE, which is now Union Presbyterian Seminary, Dr. Williamson wrote an insightful commentary on the Gospel of Mark. And he points out in the introduction that the two major focal points of the Gospel of Mark are Christology and discipleship. Christology and discipleship. Christology is the study of who Christ was and is, and it has a strong part that it plays as Mark identifies Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man. But discipleship is also a major focus of the gospel. Lamar writes, Mark depicts the way of Jesus as the way his disciples are called to follow. Only a clear, correct understanding of Jesus can produce a clear and correct understanding of what it means to be a disciple. This intimate relationship between Jesus and his disciples forms that underlying structure of many a passage in Mark. 
It provides a basic link between this ancient writing and our lives today. The term disciples is used over 40 times in the Gospel of Mark. The role and the reaction of the disciples in their journey with Jesus help to guide how you and I walk with Christ today. So, so why did Mark paint such an increasingly dismal picture of these disciples, these close followers of Jesus? Why did he show us their mistakes so freely? I eagerly read Williamson's introduction to see what he thought, and as I did, I found myself weeping. Here is the reason. Here is the reason that the disciples are presented warts and all. Dr. Williamson writes, the disciples in Mark reflect the enthusiasms, misunderstandings, and failures characteristic of the Markan community and of each succeeding generation of Christians. As the grumbling of Israel in the wilderness was written down for the instruction of succeeding generations, so the misunderstanding and failure of the disciples is written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages has come. When Jesus calls disciples to follow him, he calls us. When Jesus rebukes obtuse disciples, relatives, and friends, we stand convicted. When even after the, the disciples have contradicted, betrayed, denied, and abandoned Jesus, he promises to go before them into Galilee and reveal himself to them there. We, as well, are confronted by his forgiveness and offered the hope of another chance another chance to follow him. Friends, this is good news. In the words of Jesus, believe the good news. The good news is that when we turn to Jesus and offer our best, even our failures and our flaws, Jesus constantly renews the call to follow him. He dreams the dream that we will be his faithful and obedient followers. This week and next, we will remain in the first chapter of Mark. We will benefit from walking in the footsteps of the disciples for a couple of weeks. When their lofty dreams become grounded in the reality of walking with Jesus of Nazareth, well, what do they first experience? They experience Jesus saying to them, time is up, repent, believe, the time for decision has come. Repent, the Hebrew word means to change one's mind, one's will, one's conduct. In Jonah's story, God repents. God is the one that repents of the evil that God intended to do to the people of Nineveh. And so it is time that we repent. It is always time that we change. Our world is changing all around us. And much of the change is not, not good news. On October 7th last year, 1,139 Israelis, including little children and foreign nationals, were slain in Israel. 
And in response, as of this morning at 922 on Associated Press, over 25,000 25, Palestinians have died in Gaza. Back here in the United States, a mother and her two children attempt a border crossing at Eagle Pass, Texas, and they drown. In Richmond, 16-year-old Michaela Jackson goes missing this week. She was last seen in the 3200 block of Chamberlain Avenue. My office at the Presbytery of the James was at 3218 Chamberlain Avenue, right adjacent to our beloved Union Presbyterian Seminary. That, that street was the last spot that Michaela was seen. These headlines are breaking news because they break our hearts. Allie Raisman, three-time Olympic gold medalist with the U.S. gymnastics team, faced her abuser, her former team doctor, Larry Nasser. And one of Allie's comments echoed the voices of women across this country. She said, my dream is that one day... Everyone will know what the words hashtag me too signify. But they will be educated and able to protect themselves from predators like Larry so that they will never, ever, ever have to say the words me too. So what is the answer? The answer is repent. In the name of Jesus, we are to change Christ, with His strong, respectful, safe, honoring love, is able to change every person. Christ commands us to change, to repent, but only you and I can decide if we are ready to take that first step of repentance. Simon and Andrew, James and John did in the last two chapters of Mark, we know that Mary Magdalene took the first steps. The other disciples did, and their lives were never the same. Christians throughout the generations have taken that first step of repentance, and life has changed for us. Have you turned your life over to Christ? Really repented? Well, maybe this is the time to take that first step in your walk with Christ. Maybe you repented years ago, but the Christian walk has been dull and lifeless. Are you ready? Are you ready to take the steps necessary to bring new life back into your walk? Jesus is calling you and me to dream a dream, to walk the walk. When Simon Cowell told Susan Boyle that she had the third and the final yes on Britain's Got Talent, the team, the dream that she dreamed was launched. And at that very moment, out of absolute spontaneity, Susan had her microphone and she started to go, yeah, she just started dancing. She could not contain her joy. She couldn't contain it. And right there in front of millions of viewers, viewers, Susan danced. And in their hearts, so did the judges and the crowds and those of us who watched it. We danced because we repented. We completely turned away 
from our wrong views of Susan Boyle and we came and set aside the cruelty and the quick judgments and we believed. And Susan helps us believe. Allie Raisman helps us believe. I imagine that when Simon and Andrew, James and John, heard Christ's call, they turned and they danced. It was a tough decision for them to leave everything and follow Jesus. Life was never the same again. And for you and me, life is tough. But in and through Jesus Christ, life is never the same. May we, like the first disciples, turn, repent, and follow. Let us pray. In simple trust like theirs who heard beside the Syrian sea the gracious calling of the Lord, like us, let us like them without a word rise up and follow thee. Amen.